Welcome, this is Deba Cardi. Thank you for joining me here in the chicken coop. Welcome, if you are a new listener, this is a podcast from Chicken Coop Botanicals, a small apothecary on Mount Hood in Oregon. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. It has been about a month since you heard from me last. The weather finally changed for the better, and I felt like I had just beyond, beyond so much work to get done, both out in the gardens as well as uh, as the company uh, continues to build a lot of wholesale orders going out the door. We now have a shop that is carrying Chicken Coop Botanical products down in Gold Beach, Oregon. Thank you so much, Sacred Gifts 101, and my new dear friend Jane is already um, carrying quite a few items. Uh, Most of the clients that I work with have been private label, and so I don't usually talk about them on uh, the show, but I do want to make sure that as uh, new stores sign up to carry the products, uh, that I let you know where you might find uh, something from the chicken coop that is near you. You can always shop online. Uh, I try not to make this podcast too much of an advertising for the company because I want this to be um, kind of a personal conversation of me to you of what is going on up here on my little bit of Mount Hood. But to connect with me, um, you can go to my website, chickencoopbotanicals.com. And I do encourage you to sign up for the newsletter while on the website because I always have special things just for the people that are uh, receiving that monthly newsletter. What began as a once a month newsletter probably over the summer will be a little bit uh, more of a weekly to every other week newsletter as I am going to be uh, showcasing some new classes that I have coming up. And I have some free uh, information, free classes, I guess I should say, that I'm only going to be offering to email subscribers. So definitely go ahead and uh, sign up on the website for that. But anyway, (laughs) let's talk about fun things in the garden. Um, As I said, the weather finally made a turn. This was the wettest spring. And as I said in the last uh, podcast, this is the first time in 96 years that we've had the kind of rain that we had. So where I had this huge plan to um, grow all of my plants from seeds, other than each year I do order new medicinal herbs um, that I want to get a head start on. I order plants both from Strictly Medicinal and from Crimson Sage Nursery. And I will definitely put links to both those websites in the show notes. They both have excellent service, um, wonderful herb plants, both medicinal and culinary, and uh, seeds from Strictly Medicinal. 
um, and the books that they've written, that, that whole website is just a wealth of information. And that's the other thing I really love about both of those websites. If you are interested in learning more about medicinal herbs, uh, you can just, I could spend hours just scrolling through those websites and looking at the descriptions of some of these plants. Often there's things I'm specifically looking for, uh, and I, I know exactly you know what they do and what I want for the garden, but they both carry some wonderful uh, plants from other cultures, such as uh, Chinese medicinal herbs, Indian Ayurveda medicinal herbs um, from all over the world, South America, Japan. I've discovered wonderful things and in my effort to um, lower my footprint on ordering herbs from far away, I've decided the best way to do that is to grow some of these more exotic herbs, if they will grow in our climate here, um, so that I have control of my own supply chain, <laughs> for one thing, and that um, I know the grower. Uh, if I'm not growing something myself, I have a couple of farms that I um, that I will purchase from, and um, outside of that, I look to Mountain Rose Herbs, which sells to anyone if you're looking for um, bulk herbs or so that you can make your own medicines, or if you just are interested in researching and learning about new things. Uh, that's another really good website. So um, as I was saying that I really, this was the year that everything was going to be grown from seed. And I finally have my wonderful little greenhouse that I've talked about before. And uh, with that rain, we just didn't have a lot of sun going in the greenhouse. So a lot of things got stunted, but I've now started over like my basil. Um, the basil I planted uh, two weeks ago is much taller and in the ground where basil I started five weeks ago I'm just gonna have to let go of it's just didn't even do more than barely sprouted second leaves it was just too um, shocked with with lack of heat <laughs> but then I had other plants that it just um, it was just too wet to put seeds out. When it's like that up here, and I try to keep with a regular um, schedule of when I want to plant my seeds, I find that often the seeds just disintegrate in the ground and I've just wasted seeds. So there's some plants that I'm just gonna have to let go of for the year, and I'll just keep that seed for next year. Um, of course, there are definitely some seeds that have to be fully used in one year. They will not uh, sprout at all the second year or years after that. And those are very few seeds. Indigo is one of those seeds. I always try to grow um, Japanese indigo and um, you know, I it, it just, it, we really, if we're having a fabulous warm summer, then yes, that's something I could grow, but um, we, I I've have, excuse me, stumbling over my words. <laughs> um, I have been able to grow uh, false indigo. The Latin name for that is Baptisia. And 
I love it. It is has beautiful uh, blue pea flowers. And if you squish the leaves, it will uh, turn the color of dark denim. And that's where the dye comes from. However, false indigo, you need quite a bit more than you would of traditional Japanese indigo or Indian indigo, which is indigo ferra tinctoria. Um, I have, uh, I love the Baptisia because the roots are also medicinal. But for me, it is very much, um, even if I don't use those plants on a regular basis, it's having that historical um, reference in my garden. I have always been an eclectic gardener. My first garden, I think I was 23 years old, um, not yet married, but um, live my, no, that's not true. I would have to say my first adult garden, and I definitely was around gardens with my grandparents my entire life, but my first adult garden was 24, and my husband and I had just gotten married. And I had things like Skullcap and Good King Henry and um, Sweet Woodruff, plants that I would never um, have used because I didn't really know their use at the time. However, I love the history of plants. And especially at that age, I was very into um, medieval um plants that you might find in a monk's uh, kitchen yard. I know, I was an odd girl. <laughs> but I still have that love of the eclectic collection. I have a very large variety of herbs, and every year I like to add things to it. But um, for vegetables, I guess I get a little eclectic there too. Um, my plan for this year was to have regular white cauliflower. I found a purple tinged cauliflower and a green tinged cauliflower. And unfortunately the slugs ate every bit of my brassicas. So that included red and green Brussels sprouts, my broccoli, my purple sprouting broccoli, and uh, two cabbages. They really enjoyed those, and now I will not be. <laughs> it's a little late to start them again. Um, so I, even though I had invested quite a bit in seeds this year, I'm going to have to bump up the garden with some plants. And I've been kind of waiting. Traditionally here, you have to wait till after Memorial Day to really um, put in your main season crops. Now, I am a 12-month of the year gardener, but um, it is the main season that up here is, depending on the year, is usually May through October. But this year, I finally have the garden dug and yesterday started getting seeds in like the beans and um, I'm doing my third uh, sprinkling of radishes and carrots. So I always plant those two together. Uh, and I did get that lettuce bed set a month ago, but that is usually put in at the end of March. So uh, lettuces have not been great yet, the slugs again. <laughs> uh, the, this has been the worst slug year that I've ever had. So I wanted to share one of my tips for um, years like this. And I have to admit, I keep telling people about this and haven't done it myself yet. So after recording today, this is something that's gonna be happening in my garden.
And what is that? Well, one of the best ways to get rid of your slugs is to crumble up eggshells. So if you've had an omelet for breakfast, just put those eggshells aside. And when you've got a small pile, you can uh, crumple them on a cookie sheet and bake them just a little bit so that they're very crisp. And then go out into your garden and sprinkle those crumbled uh, eggshells around areas that you know slugs tend to get into. And what that does is it slices them. Now, that may sound terribly mean, but uh, losing all of your crops might feel a little mean for that they're doing to you. <laughs> so I find that this, you know, helps with them. And then they just stop coming around when they realize it's going to be painful to come near uh, and eating all your lettuces. Um, one thing that, um, that we did do over the last month, besides work, 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 was to take our trailer out on a little bit of camping uh, four nights just before Memorial Day weekend. We have a wonderful old 1957 canned ham. That's the style of trailer uh, that are the short little 13 foot uh, trailer that are aluminum uh, siding. And ours is called a Westerner, the Westerner. And they were only made for about three years in the 50s. And when we bought her, she even came with her own name. Her name was Lil. We call her Old Lil. And we just love her. She has not been updated at all. She's all wood lined inside and smells just like uh, my grandparents' beach cabin did, that just slightly mustiness when you first get into her. So um, Lil went out to the beach for a few days and it was lovely weather, thank goodness. Sometimes the Oregon coast, you don't know what you're gonna get, but it was beautiful. The day we were leaving, as everyone was pouring into the campsite for Memorial Day weekend, it was misty and starting to get cold, and we were so happy to be packing up and heading back. But when we arrived back, I found that every bit of my lettuces had been eaten to the stub. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, because I, of course, was thinking about the big salad we were going to be having that day when we returned home. But... The lettuce bed, or I should say the salad bed, for us is a raised bed, and I just constantly plant that throughout the season. I had already put in additional lettuce seeds, and they were already starting to come up. So we will get lettuce eventually from this bed. I also have um, the radishes and carrots in this bed, and part of the reason I group them together when I mention them is that if you plant your carrots and radishes in the same place, radishes come up very quickly. And carrots actually take a little while before they will sprout, even in the warm weather. So those radishes that come up within you know four to five days, they will mark the spot of where your carrots are. And I find that they are the perfect size just as the carrots are starting to come up then you pick your radishes, you have those wonderful radishes that you can eat right away, and you know exactly where the carrots are. You won't accidentally dig at them. So we've been eating wonderful radishes. Thank goodness the slugs aren't interested. <laughs> and uh, our carrots are now coming along just fine. I 
being the eclectic gardener, I have uh, right now my favorite orange carrot is the Nantes. And it's A, I'm sorry, N-A-N-T-E-S. It's a French carrot and it's a, a longer a carrot with a blunt end. And I've always found uh, that with our soil up here, which is, it's nice and loamy as we've um, been growing in this area naturally, organically for many, many years. Um, so it's a nice loose soil, but also we have lots of sand in our soil as our garden area was previously a riverbed. And it's the perfect place for any kind of root crop and that's been one of the wonderful things of growing up here so I've given up my long season tomatoes and eggplants but I have gotten wonderful carrots potatoes and herbs in return so um, when I lived in Portland and we also had some property out near the wine country in Oregon for a while, both of those having very clay-like soil. And I found that the best carrot was the Valeray, which if I can remember how to spell it, um, V-A-L-E-R-A-Y, I believe. Uh, you'll recognize it uh, in a seed catalog or on your at your local nursery. It is a long conical uh, carrot, also orange, that comes to a point, and it just tends to grow better, I find, in the clay soils because it's able to just dig right down in there. Sometimes it might come out with a split uh, point. You'll have two points at the end, but they grow nice. Um, medium to large size carrot and they're very both of those are very sweet but I never stop there I have a yellow carrot and a red carrot and um, of course I love the little round ones and the bull nose so um, I tend to uh, have the nantes with the salad area because they're just so easy for that but then in the main part of the garden I'm now starting to plant long rows of mixed colors so that we'll have a surprise throughout the season um, anytime we pick a carrot. Based on what we're getting this year, I have a feeling I won't be eating these carrots until towards the end of summer. But once carrots are ready, unless you have a seed packet that says, you know, that it's delicate, that it should be pulled early, and I really don't see those very often. Um, most carrots will just live in the ground just fine. We, in fact, have a few carrots left from last season. And, uh, you know, we definitely lost some with the rain, but carrots are pretty darn hardy. And if they're underground, even when it freezes, it will just hold them there. And I always plant a few in the fall around October so that they will overwinter because they are so sweet when they freeze and the cold just really helps their uh, sweet starches, um, carbohydrates just solidify. It's the same with any root vegetable, really. Parsnips especially, or rutabagas are one of those as well. So um, what else is in the garden now? <laughs> um, I love, and I should say everyone in our family um, loves Italian Roma, Romano beans, excuse me, Romano beans, which are the flat long bean, which you can grow either as a pole bean or a bush bean. 
um, this year I realized I forgot to buy uh, the regular Romanos for a pole bean. And so I'm going to be growing some as bush beans. And then I did find a yellow um, Romano bean, which I haven't grown before, and that'll be my pole bean this year. Uh, white, or I'm sorry, yellow beans are called wax beans. And I don't ever find that they have a waxy flavor, and I'm not sure what the history of that um, characterization is. But either a pencil-thin yellow bean or these wide ones are considered a wax bean. And I just love to grow all the different colors of long be green beans, um, like the purples and the greens and the yellows and having those all together just barely blanched to make sure those purple ones keep their color but having those out on a crudity platter with either um, I mean just plain ranch to dip with but it wonderful with some hummus or um, with the Italian um, anchovy begna cauda uh, dip any of those having just midsummer vegetables fresh from your garden having all kinds of different color varieties and the sweetness of your soil these are the reasons that i have the eclectic garden so i have started knitting again it's been a while my hands were just not loving it for a while there but um, i finished a baby blanket for a niece and i'm knitting a pair of socks and if you followed my old podcast at the kitchen table, which I had for five years, it was primarily a knitting podcast with a little of the gardening on the side. And this podcast has definitely got the knitting way, way down in the corner of it. Um, not that I'm not doing crafty things, but um, I made, I wouldn't even say it was a mistake. I had the privilege of taking my hobby of knitting dyeing yarn, spinning yarn, and made all of that a career for a short time. And uh, my business partner and I had a company called Pico Accardi Dye Works, and we loved it. We, I will never forget that time in my life of being able to color um, yarn with plants. Um, we definitely did some synthetic dyes, and we loved to combine skeins that would have both synthetic and natural dyes together in one skein. But when you make your hobby, your business, you never have time for your hobby. <laughs> I found all of the knitting I was doing was for patterns that we were writing for, um, for our yarns or, uh, knitting samples to show our yarns. And I really missed just relaxing with knitting. And it took me a while to get back to that. And I was really surprised. I've been a lifelong knitter. I should say an adult long knitter. I started knitting. I learned as a child, but um, just before, literally about a week before I met my husband, my roommate and I went to take a knitting class. And uh, I've been knitting ever since. So I guess 22 is what the age that I started. So 30 years this year that I've been knitting full time. And um, it is to me a wonderful relaxation. I love sitting uh, with a movie or an audiobook or just really what a wonderful quiet mind meditation it can be. Uh, it, I especially 
appreciated it when I was working 16-hour days in a restaurant when we first opened our restaurant, uh, Gino's, in Portland, Oregon. And we were just working so much, and then we'd finally get a day off. And after being with people all week, the idea of sitting in a quiet room and knitting a sweater for myself or a pair of socks or a blanket, whatever I was knitting, it was bliss just to have that quiet. <laughs> and I still love, uh, have a love for it. And I'm so happy to be um, just enjoying other people's patterns and other people's yarns. Although I do still dye some of my own. Um, last summer, in fact, was the first year that I had not gotten my dye pots out and done some natural dyeing. And I definitely plan to do that this summer. I, I miss when I'm not experimenting with different colors and creating um, a sweater's worth or, um, you know, just a special single skein if I have just a little bit of something and uh, using that for a hat or socks or, or whatever it is. I'm in fact right now wearing a sweater <laughs> that I uh, knit and I dyed using Matterroot and cochineal and some, I think I put some medicinal mushrooms, or I should say dye mushrooms in this pot too, because it's a color that I've done this before. I didn't make any notes and it's, I dyed all of it at once so that I knew that the sweater itself would all be the same colors, but I would never be able to recreate this. And of course I'm looking at like, oh, I love that color. I wish I had, but why? This is a special sweater and I don't need to have two items of the same colors. And, um, I can get pretty close to it, but I love that this is just a unique item. So what am I knitting right now? Well, after all that, I'm knitting a plain pair of vanilla socks. <laughs> One of my dearest friends owns a yarn company called Blue Moon Fiber Arts, and I went out to stay with her, and I just fell in love with a skein of yarn that she had on her kitchen table. She was knitting a sock with it. She had the toe started and she handed it off to me and said, there you go. It's already started for you, you go for it. The colorway is called Spike and it's awesome. <laughs> uh, go onto her website, bluemoonfiberarts.com if you are interested in seeing what it looks like. She just did a whole series on Buffy the Vampire um, colorways. And this one, as I say, is called Spike. It's really fun and stripy with a white background. So um, check that out. And when I say plain vanilla sock, I mean that there's really no pattern. Just a ribbed cuff and then I'm just knitting in a circle and to do the legs. And then when I get down to the heel, I'll have to decide if I want a little pattern in there or not. But this is just one of those colorways that I just wanted that to speak for itself. And to me, when you just really want to relax uh, and knit, I... I don't even need a pattern. I would rather just have my hands with having the needles fly through my hands and just enjoy the practice of knitting. It's perfect for the car also. And uh, part of this was so I would have some car knitting on our camping trip. And it was, did the ticket. <laughs> it was great for me because I didn't have to look at a pattern and I could enjoy the scenery as we drove. 
Upon returning from our camping trip, we found all kinds of relatives here at our place. It was wonderful. We live right next door to my mother and father-in-law, and so our little encampment here uh, brings up a lot of the family. And what a wonderful surprise to have my sister-in-law, my nephew, and his girlfriend here for the whole weekend. And then on um, on Monday, Memorial Day, our son, his wife, and our granddaughter came up for the day. And we just had such a good time. Uh, we had arrived home with I had hardly any groceries. I think some lunch meat. And that was about it. And... Um, coming back to find that they had arrived with all kinds of food from the farmer's market, feasts every single day, and we didn't really even have to do the cooking. It was a perfect return from a camping trip. However, on Monday, uh, the first thing in the early afternoon, getting ready for the big dinner, uh, my mother-in-law was making us eggplant parmesan, which is a family favorite with everyone. My father-in-law cut the pad of one of his thumbs off as he was slicing eggplant. So today we're going to have a little first aid lesson. One of my favorite first aid items is cayenne pepper, powdered right from your spice rack. Years ago, we had this wonderful Mexican woman cook with us at Gino's. She was the first chef outside of Marcari, and she taught us uh, the use of cayenne in the kitchen as taught to her by her grandmother in Mexico. And when you cut your finger, this is going to sound awful. Don't shiver. It won't hurt that bad, I swear. But when you cut yourself, if you put cayenne pepper in it and just really pack it on there and let that sit for a few minutes, all of a sudden you'll feel your finger or thumb or arm or whatever um, throbbing. And what that is, is your blood is coagulating. Cayenne pepper is a coagulant and it will thicken and stop the bleeding, but it is also antiseptic. It will clean out that wound and it will, and most of the time it leaves no scar whatsoever and it heals very quickly. We have saved many a trip to the emergency room at the restaurant by using cayenne pepper. And it was what my father-in-law used. I thought that I'd been told he had cut himself as in a slice. And so I'm like, get that on there right away. But he had cut his whole pad off and I was couldn't believe that he was such a trooper to stick his thumb in that over and over and really pack it in. He just really did not want to go to the emergency room and on a holiday. He actually ended up never going at all. <laughs> but it, with this kind of injury, it definitely took several hours for it to completely stop bleeding. But even if he had gone, there was no skin to stitch. You know, he couldn't have gotten stitches. They would have cauterized it. And he just decided that wasn't something he wanted. So he kept it bandaged with the cayenne on it and kept his thumb up above his heart, and he got out of all the all the dishes and <laughs> everything else. He swung on the hammock and enjoyed the conversation instead, which we were quite proud of him for doing. Um, I have to check in on him today. I haven't seen how he's doing at this point in the week. I talked to my mother-in-law, and he, the bleeding had definitely stopped. So that is my uh, first aid tip of the week. 
Um, I also wanted to share that I have been working on some online classes and I'm not quite ready to introduce them to the world yet. I have some plants that need to bloom. <laughs> this on-again, off-again uh, sun um, definitely is cramping my, uh, my style here. But uh, I'm going to have some first aid classes that I'm going to be offering free uh, for uh, newsletter subscribers, and they will be a lead-in towards an online class I'm going to be offering um, about plants and connecting to how you can um, make some of your own remedies. I just felt that since summer is just about here, this is the perfect time I wanted to share this with you. And if you are interested in not making your own, but you do want to use natural items, um, I do also want to talk about one product that I have in on my website and that we've been using quite a bit um, over the last week. And that's my bug bomb. Uh, it is a natural uh, insect repellent. It is in a base of apricot and sweet almond oil with neem oil as well. And I infuse herbs into the oils as well as using some key essential oils that keep the bugs away. This is not a citronella uh, based item, uh, but I do use a lot of sweet orange, which smells so good. And the oils in there are very soothing as well for the skin. So you're getting a nice uh, kind of almost like a lotion that you're rubbing on. And it we were shocked um, at the, I figured it would keep the bugs away for a while. But we didn't have any problems at all with um, mosquitoes the size of B-52 bombers while camping. And then again, the whole family passed around a tin of it on um, Memorial Day and kept the bugs off all of us. I decided to make this product as a salve instead of just a spray-on oil or a water-based item uh, because it stays on so much longer. And as I said, it's almost like a lotion. It's just very nice on the skin as well. So I just wanted to share about that. And um, newsletter subscribers this month until uh, the 23rd of June that make a purchase on the website of anything in any size do receive a sample of that bug bomb. So that might be another reason to think about signing up for the newsletter. The animals around here have been pretty adorable lately. Bunny rabbits still around playing with the cats, although we didn't see her at all through the whole weekend. And I, I was surprised because we had so many people over here and she's so social. And then we realized that all of their kids are home. And we usually go into town on the weekends and work at the restaurant. But uh, we no longer are doing that on a regular basis. Um, we have such a great crew. We just aren't needed to be there very often. And we just didn't realize that when the kids are home, at our neighbor's house, the bunny has no reason to come visit. So on Tuesday, everyone was back in school and here came little Coco Pop hopping up to the back door. So she's actually been laying down outside of the chicken coop while I've been recording today. And <laughs> she's been pretty adorable. Um, 
We have a mystery animal that has been in our garden this week too, and we just can't figure out who this guy is. But he has, he or she, has dug underneath one of our raised beds, and it's the bed that holds all of my onions, dug underneath the side and then up into the middle. So there's this long tunnel underneath and going up above and doesn't seem to be eating onions, just making this tunnel. And of course, this is, it does, it's big enough that it's exposed several onions to (laughs) being the whole sides of them open. And of course, whatever was right in the spot that they dug um, is long gone. So it's really frustrating and it's quite the mystery. Yesterday, I found a small, this small tunnel um, after I'd been out in the garden, I came back and here's this tunnel. So I filled it in and, you know, make sure all the onions were okay. And then I came back a couple hours later and the tunnel was back and bigger. So I've filled it in again. I haven't gone out this afternoon yet to see what's going on. <laughs> I had an order to fill this morning and so, um, and with some computer work. So I have not done my afternoon garden uh, work yet today, but as soon as we're finished here, that's my, that's my plan. Uh, I feel like it's a Caddyshack moment. <laughs> There's a gopher and it's, it's playing games with me. <laughs> it's the only thing I can think of. So we shall see. I plant a lot of onions, so it's not like this is going to take away all our onions unless this little creature decides to uh, dig absolutely everywhere. We shall see. We've also been dealing with one short chicken that has decided that it will be terrorizing my mother-in-law's garden this year. And so we're going to have to find a home for this little girl. And I have a couple neighbors to ask up here, but if you live locally and are interested in a chicken that lays an egg every single day, let me know. She's just short enough that she can fly over my mother-in-law's picket fence And we have wires across the top, which things grow on, and it is enough of a a focal barrier to the rest of the chickens. But this little girl's pretty smart and has figured out that she can get in there. And she just digs and digs and is now that little beans and corn, or not corn, I'm sorry, beans and potatoes and carrots are starting to come up. My mother-in-law is saying, this chicken's got to (laughs) go. So uh, definitely get in contact with me at debacardi at gmail.com. My last name is spelled A-C-C-U-A-R-D-I. Uh, if you're interested in adopting a young chicken, she's actually maybe eight months old. So she will be laying eggs for quite some time. And she's half black astrolorp and half mutt. <laughs> um, and the black astrolorps actually lay eggs about 360 days a year. It's my favorite breed, although I love having many breeds. Go figure. I'd like to see all the different ones. Uh, But I would say that about 80% of our chickens are that breed just because of the amount of eggs that they lay and they're wonderful brooders. So um, this year is the first year that we probably won't have um, any babies born here. It was just a year we needed to get some new chicks in the mix. So um, we went down to our local feed store and we have just this great 
woman that uh, takes care of all the birds down at Burns Feed. Her name's Fran, and she is great about leading us on to what what we should get at any given time. And when we told her we were interested in um, putting these under a hen that was already uh, brooding, she's like, oh, you don't want those. They're a week old, and they've already got their own personality. So she led us to some day-old ones, and we decided this year uh, to get uh, four breeds that we have never gotten before. Okay, I had to get the paper out so I could tell you what they are. We got three each of gold sex links, and they are an outstanding color cross between a Rhode Island red and a Rhode Island white that has been bred for high efficient egg production <laughs> and excellent livability. <laughs> and then we got blue wine dots, which I think will be so beautiful. It says it's a beautiful old breed that has been has a close fitting rose comb. They are popular in cold weather areas, which is what we need, most definitely. And then we got Jersey Black Giants, and they have a black face um, as well, and they're very large. They'll be much larger than our black astrolorps. Um, they're very docile breed, and they grow relatively slow, and uh, we, I think that they are also pretty darn good egg layer. We like the personality as much as we like the eggs, so um, that's always fun. And then the fourth variety we got are called Buckeyes, and um, they originated in Ohio. It's a very rare American breed, and they will be a rich mahogany red with some black on the wings and tail. And I'd never heard of these before, but they, um, they look similar to a Rhode Island red, and um, they're going to be a stout little chicken. And I'm, I'm just excited. Both we needed new genetics <laughs> in here, but also just to have some new colors going around. Um, I definitely, at this point, don't, I just don't have any need or, or really care about um, keeping each breed separate. I love seeing all the little mutts come through and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. We guess who we think the mother or father was. <laughs> but um, if I was raising them to sell, then obviously I would definitely keep some, um, you know, on their own. But our birds are completely free range. They go inside and we close them in at night. Um, our ducks live in with the chickens and the baby ducks now have a little box or I should say a large box that they live under but within the group. So they're already getting used to the sounds and the lives of the regular chickens. So when they're big enough to come outside this box and out from under the lights, They'll just feel right at home with everyone and no one will pick on them because they've been seeing them the whole time, which we just love. We love that about our, our newer barn. And um, so when we, in the morning, we open the doors up and everyone just comes flying out and they spend the day outside. I have one chicken that usually is at the back door here. Um, first thing in the morning while I'm drinking my tea and my husband's drinking his coffee and she just likes to hang out with us at the door and watch what we're doing. But the, the ducks head straight for the pond for a morning swim 
and um, I always throw out scratch um, before I come back in the house. And so we have chickens that are eating scratch and wandering around. And um, in right now, the chickens do not get to come into the garden, but uh, I still allow the ducks in because they will eat those slugs. So when I'm in the garden, I leave one of the gates open that the ducks know about so they can come in and they'll hang out with me and come and see what I'm up to. And um, we love our birds and I'm very happy that we live somewhere that they can be completely free range and that they're smart enough to go in at night <laughs> and not um, end up being raccoon food. We also do have an honorary cougar on the loose this year. Um, from all the stories that have come to us from various uh, community members and neighbors, this is an older cougar and she's injured in some way and she's very acting very erratic. And um, she has been attacking dogs in the neighborhood and uh, we have lost one of our older ducks that kept going out into the field by herself. I've kept telling her, don't do that. And now we don't have her, unfortunately. But um, I've been happy that the cougar hasn't come too close to the house because I love my cats. <laughs> but um, but she's out there. And so um, I'm kind of hoping that the that the animal services that, um, that work with the rangers up here are going to be able to find her and either get her to a sanctuary or... Um, wherever she needs to be because uh, she's uh, she needs a little help and that's not something we can do. <laughs> well, I think that our time today is done and now that I am caught up on those spring chores, things will get back to the weekly podcast that I've been wanting this to be. Um, when you don't hear from me, know that I am just crazy working on projects. The one thing I've really noticed over the last month is the fact that I work alone, um, I don't have any employees, uh, really starts to show up when you end up with one thing like the garden really needing to be ready for summer. Um, there isn't time to do the podcast too or... Um, you know, sometimes I, my blog hasn't seen much writing recently. Most of my writing right now is either for the newsletter or for, um, for class things that I'm working on right now. So I definitely plan to be back to some blogging, although I just feel like, um, you know, I, I kind of keep going back and forth. Do I need to have a blog? And, um, I sometimes will, in my morning writings, one of the subjects I get to is, okay, here are the things that I want to say to everyone. Um, what, what will go into the podcast? What will go into the newsletter? What is there that should go on the blog? And then, you know, in talking in social media, I do have a Facebook group, um, Chicken Coop Botanicals. Uh, is I, I shouldn't say it's a group, it's a page. <laughs> um, and really the only things that I post on that Facebook page are to let people know when something's coming up. Uh, like I'll definitely go on there and let people know that the podcast is, um, is up and if they haven't subscribed that they should go do that. Um, but as I look at all of these different areas and especially now with classes coming online too, it's like, 
what is there left to talk about on the blog? So um, I've been kind of fiddling with some of these things and I'm sure it'll evolve into the way that it should involve, evolve. Um, I'm just not sure what that is quite yet. So if you have things that you miss me talking about from the old days or there are certain um, ways that you'd like me to be sharing about different herbs or something of that manner. Um, just please drop me a line and let me know what you think.